Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. We got the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can follow us at Stadium Bets on Twitter. For all your betting updates, Nate writes articles, I write articles, we got the NBA playoffs, we got the NHL playoffs coming up, we got the NFL draft coming up, Nate, it's getting to mid-April, some of the best times of of the year for sports. Yeah, it feels like just a lot of new beginnings with the NBA finishing up and the playoffs starting, and then soon enough we'll have the NHL, MLB underway, and then the NFL draft, and then all the fun that comes with the football preparations will occur in may and june and july and will be a fully packed there's not as much downtime in the sports betting calendar as there used to be especially now with these nfl win totals coming out very early and i anticipate college to be out uh, pretty shortly as well after some of these spring games wrap up yeah we talked some nfl uh, win totals last week if you want to listen to that episode but nate we did have the masters you had some Masters bets going. Scotty Scheffler won it all. The guy is hot, hot, hot right now. I mean, he has been everything that people have been talking about. He came in as the world number one. People hadn't heard of him. I mean, I'll be honest, I really hadn't been paying too much attention to who Scotty Scheffler was, what he's been doing, and now he is on the radar for everybody. Yeah, pretty crazy. His first win on the PGA Tour was the weekend of the Super Bowl at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is a bet where I had him that week, and I was very happy that I was there for his first win because I bet him plenty of times <laughs> beforehand. I did not anticipate him to go on this run where he goes out three weeks later after winning the Waste Management, wins the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is a big purse event, a strong field, and then three weeks after that, winning the WGC match play, and then two weeks later, winning the Masters. Just did not see it coming at all. He did rise to world number one after winning the match play, um, I don't even think I really looked at him in terms of outright betting him for the Masters, especially at those numbers he was at, 14-1, 16-1. Just because in golf, when a player wins, it's almost like there's going to be a kind of a, a regression, I guess, or just a they're not going to play at that level. You don't think they will, at least, for the next tournament, especially because there's so many good golfers on the PGA Tour right now. But he's kept it up, and... You have to wonder if he could continue to basically win every tournament he plays in. I don't think yeah. he will, but regardless, it's been an amazing run, an amazing season. And these four wins and I think it's like a 57-day span have been absolutely incredible for Scheffler. So good for him. Happy for him. He seems like a good guy. I, I bet on him many times trying to get his first win. I was there when he got it. So I can't really be upset that he has gone on this streak because I – I guess I kind of saw the potential in him. I just didn't think it'd be like this. Yeah, he's had a, a hell of a run. And 
I mean, I don't know if you're going to be looking to bet him in other majors that we talk about or if you're going to be looking at his number, but you would have to imagine at this point he is going to have not the best numbers available for someone in his position just because he won the Masters. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be priced correctly, probably as one of the favorites around the price of like a Rom and a and a JT and probably Rory after Rory's amazing Sunday yesterday. Uh, the next major is the PGA Championship at Southern Hills in Tulsa, and apparently Scheffler has already said, I think even before he went on this run, that that's one of his favorite courses. So uh, there's definitely a potential where he's going to have success at that major uh, in in May, and then I could definitely see him uh, based on how he played in the in the wind and the cold weather throughout the weekend at Augusta, that seems like his game would set up really well for an open championship. And this year it's at the uh, historic St. Andrews. So he's definitely probably going to be in the mix in those majors, or at least has the game to uh, compete in those majors. And honestly, his game is could compete anywhere on any kind of course. He can win a birdie fest like he did in Phoenix. He can win a, uh, these events like the Masters and the API where it was really windy conditions and he can go out and match play, which is much different strategies than stroke play and and win seven matches in a five day span. So pretty incredible for Scotty Scheffler and we'll see what happens to his price. But I can see maybe him being in like the 10 to 1, 12 to 1 range uh, yeah. for some of these stronger field tournaments. We'll definitely keep an eye on him and uh, talk about him more as we do more majors throughout the rest of the summer. But Nate, it's NBA playoff season, so let's shift gears, talk a little bit of the uh, NBA playoffs. We've got the playing games, uh, two of them happening tonight, and then we got two of them tomorrow night as well as we talk some of these through. And we also have series prices. We can bet the series. We can bet futures. We can bet who's going to win the NBA Finals, bet who's going to win MVP, Rookie of the Year, everything. This is the time of the year to be betting NBA games. I think, and I feel like it's the time of year most people actually start paying attention to betting NBA games because it is hard to go throughout the season and just bet a random, you know, Wednesday night game. So we got the playing games, one in and you're in, you lose, depending on what seed you are, and you're out. So let's start talking about some of these games um, and strategies as well because there does seem to be kind of distinct strategies that usually work for the most part throughout the NBA playoffs, and I know you love a good zigzag theory strategy for something like this. Yeah, I believe we launched this podcast last May, and it was like the week of the play-in. So I know yeah, the happy anniversary to you. A little bit different. Yeah, happy anniversary. <laughs> I know it's been like ten and a half months because yeah. last year the NBA playoffs was pushed back with how the season played out, and now we're back to kind of a normal schedule how it was three years ago and beyond that. Uh, but I know last year we really preached a few things: the zigzag theory, which is betting on a team after they lose. I think the best time to do that is when a team wins game one and there's an overreaction towards the spread where like the spread in total might be different because that team looked really good in game one. Betting against that team that won, unless there's a justified reason, like an injury for that line move, expecting that team to lo- that lost to bounce back and try to even the series in kind of desperation mode. So that's one way to look, and they'll kind of, as the series play out, uh, present that opportunity. You can't really predict that before game one, uh, but definitely stuff for game two and, and beyond. And then another thing is if that team that loses game one also loses game two, and it's both times on the road, looking to bet them 
in game three in multiple ways. First quarter, first half, possibly full game. I know this was a really strong angle like four or five years ago where teams down 2-0 at home really had a strong effort in game three, and that makes a lot of sense. Season on the line, you're in front of your home crowd. The other team might be feeling good and confident about themselves after two home wins. They might be feeling like we've done what we've needed to do. We just need to win one game um, on the road, and it'll be 3-1 going back home for game five. So game three might not be a priority. However, the sports books have priced that those lines where they they really shade the first half and first quarter lines in favor of that team in that situation. So we'll have to look into that, but that's another angle and strategy. And then also I think the strongest one, and you're going to have to wait till later in the series, especially game seven, but game seven unders are very strong. I know in the bubble it was a really strong trend in that playoffs, and last year, at least for the first couple game sevens, I remember – just as soon as that number got came up, if there was a game seven between two teams, blindly betting the under because it was always going to move towards the under, and that makes a lot of sense. Where, you know, teams know each other more. De- teams know each other's familiarity, desperation game. The defense is going to be mm-hmm. tighter. Teams are going to uh, slow down the pace. Uh, they, at least in theory, in theory, they're going to take more time in the shot clock because they just want to slow it, slow that down, and players might be kind of f- afraid to be the one to take that shot. So I think that's one really strong way to go that we probably won't see for another like two weeks or maybe even two and a half weeks when we get to like game six and game seven. But something to keep in mind for all playoff series, um, kind of a macro level uh, way to bet the NBA playoffs. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's get into the playing games. We have the eight, seven games taking place tonight. We have the Nets, we have the Cavs, we have the Clippers, and the Timberwolves. We can start with that Nets-Cavs game because that line is at eight and a half. Jarrett Culver isn't going to be, or excuse me, Jarrett Allen isn't going to be playing in that game. Um, This is a really interesting game to me because the Nets have been a team down the stretch that has been inconsistent. They're a team that plays no defense. And seemingly their roster looks like they should be like a top three seed in the NBA and they are in a play in game. So you don't 100 percent really know what you're going to get from them. But then on the flip side with the Cavaliers, they've been suffering injuries all season long. They're a team that could probably beat you on any given night. But sometimes the players that they're missing is just too much and they're going to be without a really key piece in Jared Allen. They're not going to have Colin Sexton. They're going to have Evan Mobley, but. They can only do so much with the players that they have against a team on the road that really doesn't even feel like they should be in this scenario. And the Eastern Conference futures indicate that the Nets are a, a top team, or even the NBA yeah. Finals futures, where the Nets, even though they're the seven-team seed and have to play in to get into the playoffs, which obviously they're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, so very likely to at least advance, uh, they're plus 320 to win the East, which is – just behind the Bucks at plus 240. And to win the NBA Finals, they're the third best odds at plus 700. So, yeah, this team, it's almost like last year when MLB playoffs, when we were previewing the uh, the NL wildcard game between the Cardinals and Dodgers, and the Dodgers were the World Series favorite, even though they had a one-game playoff just to make the, the regular playoffs. So it's kind of similar to that, where the Nets, obviously a lot of talent with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, but they did not have a good regular season with all the things that were going on there, injuries and off some other other stuff, as we know, and it's been well documented. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think here in this specific game, 
the spread makes a lot of sense because these two teams played on Friday night in a game where it was full intensity. It was an important game in terms of seeding and who would actually probably get home court for this potential 8-7 game. The Nets did win and cover. They pulled away late, had a really good fourth quarter, but this spread closed 8.5. The total was 232.5, so it's down a little bit as we record this on a Monday evening. It's 228.5, so I think that kind of goes into the betting the unders and high leverage game angle where in a regular season game, there's a better chance of more open, free-flowing basketball. But here, it's going to be a little bit tighter game, and I think that's built into the total right now. So the game did go under on Friday. Probably wouldn't touch it now that it's adjusted so much. Uh, but I think, I don't know what you think, Ben, but I think this because the spread was the same as it was Friday, I, I wouldn't bet this game. But maybe taking the Cavs as, as the underdog just against the spread just because they did play well for three quarters on Friday night and then the Nets pulled away. But maybe the Cavaliers can hang around a little bit longer and that instead of getting the Nets pulling away from them on Friday, that uh, they can hang around the number at least for 48 minutes. Yeah, I would have to go Cavs in this situation. If I'm betting the full game spread, I think I would have to go Cavaliers. Them losing Jared Allen, I don't think I'm going to pick them to win this game, but this is a team that has fought so hard to get to this place, and they're good enough to be able to stay with the Nets for a good portion of this game, probably the entire game. We saw it with the Pacers uh, for the last game of the season with the Nets. The Pacers yeah. were like a 17, 18-point underdog, and they were able to stay with the Nets for a majority of the game. I just think people see Kevin Durant, they see Kyrie Irving, and they automatically think, well, the Nets should be winning big. So I think in any game for the playoffs, at least this season, you're going to get a Nets team that's overrated. You really are. And the Cavs have been under the radar for a good portion of the year. So if I'm leaning for a full game spread, I'm going to go to Cavaliers. But, Nate, the play that I really like in this game is first quarter spread for the Cavaliers. I think you can get them at plus three and a half. It's a little juiced at minus 130, but the Cavaliers have been one of the best first quarter teams this season. Um, in the last three games, they've been outscoring their opponents by four points in the first quarter. They're top 10 in first quarter scoring margin in the NBA this season. The Cavs are like average. They're middle of the road first quarter team. They're honestly better on the road than they are at home, too. And the Cavs are better on the road than they are at home in first quarter scoring margin. So I would take the Cavs first quarter. I think they come out of the gate hot. I think the Nets, again, they I don't think they take any team they play super seriously because they think we're the Nets. We got KD. We got Kyrie. We're just going to kind of lay off until the second half if we really have to do something. And they kind of rely on Kevin Durant to bring them back in situations like that. So I'm going to go Cavs first quarter spread plus three and a half. Maybe even sprinkle a little bit on the money line there. I think you can get about like plus 200 on the money line for the first quarter. It's a risky bet, but... I really do think the Cavs have a better chance than the odds are saying to win, or at the very least, cover that first quarter. Yeah, so do you say money line first quarter or money line full game? I would say if I'm going to pick any money line for the Cavaliers, I would do money line first quarter, but I really love the spread in that first quarter at plus three and a half. I think the Cavs, at least through 12 minutes, can keep it. They could probably win that first quarter, but they will at least keep it within four. Uh, for that first quarter. So if you can get a good for line, sure. it's minus 130. It's at the place I'm looking at. Shop around if you can. You can probably get better odds at, at plus three and a half. But the Cavs have been consistently a really good first quarter team this season, especially on the road. So I would go with that if I would have bet anything. But stay away from the Nets. Maybe do some player props. The Kevin Durant rebounding prop is pretty solid. But yeah, I would stay away. I think they're a little bit overpriced. No, for sure. Um, let's go to the next game. We got the... Um, 
Clippers and the Timberwolves tonight. Timberwolves minus three and a half. That total is two thirty and a half. This is going to be a really fun game. I think it's just going to be a shootout. I'd probably bet the over. I bet player prop points over for some of the bigger players. I think this is going to be a fun back and forth game between two teams that really don't play a ton of defense in games like this. And it's just going to be a shootout back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, honestly, I was a little surprised that the Timberwolves have taken some money in this game. I know it was, I believe, two and a half when it opened uh, Sunday night when the play in matchups were set. Now we're to three and a half as we record on Monday evening. I think at this at this number, I, I'd have to look towards the Clippers. I think that just the playoff experience in, in general um, from their run last year where they even won a series without Kawhi Leonard um, who got hurt in the Jazz series, and it didn't matter. They ended up winning the series before losing to the Suns, but they were shorthanded at that point against the Timberwolves team with no playoff experience from a lot of their star players. Um, or very little experience or experience in a game that matters like this. So I, I think I can keep it simple. I'm looking towards the Clippers. Maybe that gets yeah. up to plus four. I don't probably not, but I take the Clippers at plus three or better. I think this is a is a close game, even though you do think it's gonna be high scoring. Yeah, I'd ride the Clippers with you. I think you go the underdog here. Um, I, I really think the underdog position for both these games is the smart move. But the Clippers have shown they can like dominate teams. That's that's the weird thing. Like they since they've gotten Paul George back, there have been games where you're like, this is this could be a top five Western Conference team if they were fully healthy. So I would probably ride the Clippers as long as they're the underdog. Um, if it gets to like one and a half, I would consider the Timberwolves at that point. But if you can get the Clippers at two and a half or more, I would. You got to ride with the Clips at that point. Yeah, and I think this game means a lot in terms of the um, the Eastern Conference, or the, sorry, the Western Conference, pardon me, because if you win this game, you play the Grizzlies in the first round. You lose this game, then you have to win another game. But if you win that game for the eighth seed, you have to play at the Suns on short on a short week or short rest, I guess, because you'd have to play that game Friday night, turn around Sunday, game one in Phoenix. So this game is huge for both these teams because of the rest thing where you get to play and then can you know rest all week until I think it's Saturday uh, the Grizzlies have their first game of the uh, the playoffs or maybe Sunday even so you have that just where you don't have to worry about playing a game Friday but then you play the much easier opponent because based on the Western Conference futures it seems like it's the uh, Suns conference to win and there's going to yeah, be yeah. some contenders but not really sure there's a, a team that's going to be up to the test so being the eighth seed in the West is not a good thing, so this game no. has even more significance to, um, on Tuesday night. Yeah, and the nice part about this game too, Nate, is you know you lose, you get another opportunity to to still be in the playoffs. So it's not like for an sure. end all be all type of game for the seven eight seeded game. And I will give you my best play for this one, and I would just say take Clippers first half, take them on the money line, take them on the spread. You can get them plus one and a half. Um, this has been one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA first half wise since they get Paul George back. I think they're, okay. you look, if you look over their scoring margin, it's the most insane numbers. It's like they're plus 19 in first half scoring margin in their last three games. 
I think since Paul George came back, it's like plus 20, plus 21 or something in the last six, seven games. I mean, it's been absurd what the Clippers have been doing in the first half. They've just been pounding, pounding teams. And maybe it's because they've been undervalued in, in the market. Um, but I would, I would take Clippers first half against this Timberwolves team at the very least. I think the Clippers can get out to a hot start. I know they're on the road. I know they're in Minnesota. Um, but I think they can get it done. Uh, it's a, it's a team that has a lot of veterans too. So they're, they, they're not going to be like overwhelmed by the playoff atmosphere. Like maybe some of these Minnesota players will be having been back in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. So go Clippers first half. That's my play spread money line. I don't think you can go wrong with either. Yeah, sounds good. A very important game because you don't want to be the eight seed in the West because you're probably going to have a, a short, quick exit against the Suns, who no. are definitely the best team in that conference. All right, we'll go through Hornets and the Hawks. That's on Wednesday. Tomorrow, 10-seed Hornets, 9-seed Hawks. Four and a half is the line in favor of the Hawks in this one as we record on the Monday night. Total is 236.5. Nate, this is going to be another one. High scoring. I mean, I can yeah. see 240 pretty easily in a game like this. For sure, and uh, frankly, I don't really have anything on this game. I try to figure <laughs> out something. I, I, the total says to be high scoring. The spread seems fine. Where Atlanta's the better team, and they had that run last year in the East Conference Finals, so they're probably, you know, a little bit more prepared for this situation. But I don't know. Getting four and a half with the Hornets doesn't seem like uh, it could be bad either. So. Uh, maybe you could talk me into something, but if you want to share your play, and, and if you want to share it for the next game too, I think that's a game where I'm going to stay away from because I just don't really like the the spread or total on either one. So give me a give me a, sh- a shout that you have on on Wednesday, and maybe I'll tail. There we go. Uh, I would say again, let's go first half. We're going to just keep riding these first half bets <laughs> with these teams, Hornets, Hawks, and here's the number that really convinced me: the Hornets are second. To the Clippers in first half scoring margin in the last three games, they've just been on a tear in the first half to end the season. It's I think it was plus 19. They're plus 16 in the first half in their last three games. So this is a team that gets out to a hot start. And then what I would do, Nate, is I would live bet the Hawks because I, I do like the Hawks at minus four and a half. If you're if you're more comfortable taking a full game, go with the Hawks first half Atlanta at home. Put it in the bank. Trey Young is going to go off as he always does usually in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's his time to shine. It's showtime, Trey. He's going to be able to do it. But if, if you're looking for a better line, wait till the end of the first half. Charlotte might be close. They might even be ahead. Take Atlanta uh, live in the, in the second half. I think they'll be able to get it done at home, but just not in the first half. And then for game two, if we're talking about that, for game two for that 10-9 seeded game, Spurs at the Pelicans, that total 238 and a half. I'll be honest, Nate. I don't know anything. I, I, I don't feel comfortable betting any line in this game because yeah. it's the Spurs who have had an up and down season, but it's also Greg Popovich in the playoffs and I, I or like at a playoff type of game. And I don't know right. if I want to bet against that against a, a very, you know, it's underrated to an extent, but they're inconsistent in the Pelicans. So I, I'm kind of with you on that, but where Spurs Pels is going to be a game. I, that's going to be a stay away. That's going to be a stay away game from me. Especially since whoever wins this game still has to go on the road to play whoever loses the uh, Clippers-Timberwolves game. And yeah. I think the winner or loser of Clippers-Timberwolves will be a, a not a big favorite, but a, a more likely to win that game, a, a substantial favorite um, in that game. So I don't think either of these teams will make the playoffs. Uh, maybe, though, I think that the Hawks win on Wednesday night and draw the Cavs. Uh, that line is going to be pretty close to 
um, a pick uh, depending on, I guess, what happens and how the games play out. But I think that there could be some betting opportunities in that Friday night uh, potential East play-in game for the eighth seed. And if you are the eighth seed in the East, it's actually not that bad having to go play the Heat instead of the Celtics. I don't think there's much of a difference between the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. So at least there's some light at the end of the tunnel where that Friday night game for the West where you're going to have to play the Suns game one on Sunday, like that's just Ooh. not going to feel that important of a game. Um, yeah. I mean, but I guess all, you know, all these games, there's an opportunity to bet, and that's uh, the most important thing. All right, let's look at some of these series quickly uh, before we get to the futures or any futures that we like, because I walked into the office this morning. I was all happy. You know, NBA playoff basketball is starting. It was a good morning. Got my coffee. And what was one of the first things you said to me about the Bulls-Bucks series that you liked? Yes, uh, Bucks minus two and a half series spread at Breaking one sportsbook at 8 a.m. was plus 100. And uh, by two o'clock today, as we record this on a Monday, it was a minus 195. So oh, a very drastic move. I saw a lot of things on Twitter about it. Our good friend Sam Panjanovic and his chicken dinner account, I think, was the first tweet at least I saw. So probably it opened Monday morning. And, yeah, that got steamed pretty quickly. So yeah. no one's giving the Bulls a chance. I don't think uh, we have to talk too much about that, just the base no. on the way they've trended in the last pretty much since the All-Star break and the history that they have against the Bucks, or recent history against the Bucks. Where maybe the Bulls, maybe the Bulls could be in that situation, as I mentioned, the strategies where they're down 2-0, first playoff game in like five years at the United Center. It's an energetic building. They come out strong for 12 minutes, for 24 minutes, cover those spreads, and maybe pitter away. And maybe, maybe they can pull off an upset. But if you know they pull off an upset, the Bucks probably would bounce back, win, win games four, and then the elimination game in Milwaukee, game five. But I think that's kind of the good example of a where we could see an opportunity to uh, bet on the Bulls, even though they're probably going to lose in four or five games, especially based on the uh, the series spread line move that we've seen um, today on Monday. Yeah, I would say the two best bets in that series would be Bucks to win the series three to one. If you want to guess four, four to one, series, right? or excuse me, four to one. I think the yeah. Bulls eke out a game. I really do. I think they get one of the games. The, they're they're good enough sometimes where they will randomly probably get a win against the Bucks, and then I would say hit some Bulls players three point props. The Bucks are one of the worst three point defensive teams in the NBA, so you could probably get a pretty good number from maybe a Kobe White, even a Demar Derozan. I mean, he's going to be probably feeling the pressure of the playoff game. He knows what has to be done. He'll hit a he'll try to shoot a couple yeah. of threes. Zach Levine three point prop, you can't go wrong. So maybe hit some Bulls three point props. Bucks are not good at defending the three. So I think that's those are the two angles I'm going to be taking for this series because it's not going to be much fun for for Bulls fans. Nuggets Warriors uh moving around Nuggets 6 seed, Warriors at 3 seed. Um that game's at four and a half. Warriors are minus 200 to win that series. Uh, I, I would I would probably take the Nuggets in game one, to be quite honest. Um, I, Steph's going to be back, but is he going to be back after, you know, a, a good portion of time off? The Nuggets are ready to go. I, I could see the Nuggets pulling out a couple games here, Nate. 
Also, not sure if Steph is going to be back. Steve yeah, Kerr I think said that it's yeah questionable. Like, yeah, like he might miss. I wouldn't be surprised if they were cautious with him. Yeah, uh, especially in game one, knowing that they could potentially win without him, and even if they don't win, they'll have a, a long series to uh, try to come back. So yeah, I think I don't know. It's it's kind of tough, and and both Western Conference series that are set with a, a star player injury potentially impacting a lot of things kind of a wait-and-see approach. But, um, yeah, it's kind of, for me, I want to wait till later in the week to try to decide what to do. I think this could be a good series where the zigzag comes into play, where if the Warriors do win in game one, or if if they even if they lose, I guess it's probably more likely they lose game one, uh, then I could see them really playing well in game two, especially if Curry is available or has kind of – takes off some of the rust from uh, if he does return in game one. So uh, a lot of these series for me, honestly, others on the that Bulls-Bucks bet, bet that I mentioned, kind of wait and see. Um, mm-hmm. and, and with the Mavericks-Jazz series, uh, I mean, I think the line, as we currently talk about on Monday, could definitely change by the time you listen to this. But the Jazz being a two-and-a-half favorite in Dallas on Saturday afternoon has to indicate that Luka Doncic is going to be unavailable especially now that the Jazz currently minus 165 to win the series. I saw when that line opened on Monday morning, it it kind of factoring in that Luka could be hurt for at least part of the series. It was minus, I think, minus 115, minus 105. The Jazz were a slight favorite. So I have to think that Doncic is uh, at least going to miss a a significant portion of the series based on where that price of that. Yeah. yeah, 100%. That one I would definitely stay away till you know a little bit more, probably about what Luke is going to be doing. But the Jazz, man, just live bet any team who is down to the Jazz um, because they are yeah. love to give up 20-point leads, 15-point leads, whatever you want to do, live bet the team that they're – like bet the Jazz first half and then live bet the team they're playing in the second half because – you're probably going to be a millionaire if you do that for the whole entirety of the playoffs because the Jazz just love to give up leads. And then the yeah. Raptors 76ers series, no Matisse Thybul. So that that comes into play unless – I don't know if, like, he gets vaccinated now if he's allowed to play, but that is pretty big when the 76ers are playing in Toronto. So he'll miss the games in Toronto, so three, four, and six. He's a key yeah. defensive player. Yeah, that, that could be a – Obviously a big loss for a team that traded away a lot of their depth in the in the Harden deal at the trade deadline. And I thought that series price line is pretty telling that the 76ers minus 185, Raptors plus 150, Sixers a minus four and a half or four and a half point favorite on uh, I believe it'll be Saturday's uh, first round game Saturday evening game one of um, game series I'm very interested in. I feel like this could be a, a long series just because the 76ers have not impressed in the last down the stretch dropping to the four seed and the Raptors seem like they are playing and they're going in the right direction and I don't know what what you think about Doc Rivers Ben but I feel like Nick Nurse against Doc Rivers is a is a huge coaching mismatch uh, in favor of Toronto Oh, yeah, 100%. And I was going to say also uh, that I would probably, if the 76ers end up leading this series 1-0, I wouldn't do it at 3-0. But if they're up 2-0, live bet the Raptors to win the series because 
this wouldn't be the first time Doc Rivers gives up a three one <laughs> lead or gives up a series yeah. lead. He's just man, he's just not a very good coach. And he seemingly got lucky in Boston. He had the big three. He all that, and he's been riding that coattail ever since. And Nick, you're absolutely right. Nick Nurse, better coach, the the best, probably one of the top five coaches in the playoffs this season, and he has been in the past couple seasons. So if the Raptors do end up getting down early, maybe live bet them series wise to win the series because you're going to get them at a good number. Philadelphia doesn't love holding leads, and we know that about Doc Rivers. Yeah, I kind of selfishly want the 76ers to win and maybe win and cover on game one and then coming back to bet the Raptors game yep. two, maybe 100%. instead of plus four and a half, maybe the Sixers look really good and it's like five and a half or something. And then there's an opportunity to to play the zigzag theory and uh, at spots bet on Toronto. But yeah, I feel like betting on the Sixers and, and this Doc Rivers and and just a, a team that's not very enjoyable to watch from the from the naked eye with James Harden now there. Uh, not really a team I, I want to bet on, and it seems like a lot of people are out on them uh, as the playoffs, so we get to the playoffs. Yeah, and I will say this. Usually you can tell if the Raptors are going to win by the end of the first quarter. If they're playing poorly, <laughs> they usually they're not like the best team at getting their stuff together and coming back and, and winning. So you you can probably live bet them if you can tell, like, they're playing it close. They're, they're just missing, like, open shots. Maybe then you, you live bet them a little bit. But if they just look out of sorts, I'd stay away for a team like that. Uh, we got futures, Nate. Yeah. If we wanted to talk a little bit about futures, obviously the NBA title future. The Suns are the favorite in that one at plus 260. Um, Bucks up next plus five fifty. The Nets are seven to one. Are there any Are there any teams that you've looked through this list and you're thinking, well, you know, maybe you get a little bit of good value from some of these? Yeah, and it's kind of similar in terms of like the Eastern Conference, Western Conference futures, or it's kind of like the same order, just the teams in their respective conference. Um, I think the th- key thing here is we have we know what the bracket is. They don't like reseed after the first round. So you're trying to find the best path um, in the Eastern and Western conferences, and maybe a team could at least get to the NBA Finals, and you can bet them in that way, or maybe you like their path to get to the conference finals, and at a big number, um, then you could try to figure out what to do if they get to that point. Uh, so I think it's pretty clear Western Conference, the lower part of the bracket, I guess. So it's like the the two, the three, the six, and whoever ends up being the seven is favorable because you avoid the Suns until the Western Conference Finals. So in this case, it's the Warriors, uh, the Nuggets, the two seed, the Grizzlies, which mm-hmm. is favorable because I think the Grizzlies could be a vulnerable two seed, just like that stereotypical good regular season team that when the intensity revs up in the playoffs might struggle a bit, especially yep. if like a team like the Clippers can win uh, the play in, I think that could be an interesting series. Uh, but I think the Warriors kind of got, got lucky or got the best draw getting the three seed just ahead of the, the Mavericks. And uh, I don't know though, if I, the Warriors five to one to win the West, maybe that's the way to go. I just worry that if the Warriors do get to that point and there's some sort of injury issue because their players have been hurt all season, that they're not going to get past the Suns and having 5-1 to one on the Warriors isn't going to matter. Uh, but, yeah, so that's basically the path I like in the West. So probably, I guess, the Warriors, but I'm not sure if I would bet it at 5-1 to one because I'm not sure what Curry's going to look like when he comes back. And then the East, it's pretty clear 
where the Heat, I think, have the best path. Uh, they're plus 450 to win the East. They're the one seed. The 4-5 is Raptors 76ers, and we just talked about how we have some questions about the 76ers. And then the 2, the 3, the 6, and then I guess it's all predicated on the Nets winning as favorites tomorrow. If the Nets do lose tomorrow and then win as the 18 on Friday, then this conversation is totally. It's going to be real flames. interesting then. <laughs> and then it's almost like the it's almost like the Nets have a better path probably than having to play the yeah. Celtics and the Nets just to get to the Eastern Conference Final. Or sorry, the Celtics and the Bucks just to get to the Eastern Conference Final. Because if you look at the East odds, Bucks plus 240, Nets plus 320, Celtics plus 450, then the Heat plus 450. So it's pretty clear that the, if the Heat if the, if the Nets win in the play-in game against the Cavs, the Heat probably have the best path to make the conference finals. Or maybe you want to get a little wild and Raptors at 30-1 to 1 to win the East. Look at that. Hope that now they win I like two series. That. Hope they win two series, and then you never know. So that's kind of where I'm looking at where now I think there's like a really big – um, difference between the paths and the upper part of the bracket and lower part of the bracket in each conference. Uh, so I guess Warriors in the West and then either the Heat or the Raptors, if you want a long shot in the East, is a team with the best chance to get to the conference finals. I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to win that series if they get there. Yeah, I would say if you want a long shot in the West, I like those ideas. I would even throw in... I don't know if the Mavericks are considered a long shot. Eleven to one is pretty. That's pretty long shot odds. I, I would even throw the Mavericks in. Now we obviously don't know the extent of Luke's right. injury. If it's if you can hear about his injury news and then run to the phone, bet the Mavs at eleven to one right away. If he's like okay to go, I would try to do that as fast as I could. Because if he's fully healthy, the Mavs are going to be a dangerous team. They're one of the best defensive teams during the season in the NBA. They have one of the slowest paces, which I think is really interesting for playoff basketball because it can throw off another team's rhythm for multiple games if you just play slowly. Um, so I think at 11-1, they're solid. And even the Clippers, 16-1. to Paul George going to be back. He's kind of got some games now to get back into NBA yeah. form. That could be a dangerous team come playoff time. Now, of course, they have the playing games, so that number is you're going to be getting the best number right now. So if you feel like they're going to win the playing game, you feel like they can be dangerous in the playoffs, I would say bet the Clippers. Now, we've been talking about this in the office before the show, but if you like a team to win the finals and maybe you don't like the number that you can get them at, maybe bet NBA Finals MVP. You know, if if, if you like... The Sun, what are the Suns to win the NBA Finals? They're plus 260? Yeah. Well, Devin Booker most likely will be Finals MVP if they win the NBA Finals. You can get Devin Booker to win the Finals MVP at 5-1. to one. Yeah. So this might be a different and new way if you like a team to win the Finals but want them at a better number, bet Finals MVP. It's a little more risky, of course, but it's not the worst idea. I think it's a little bit risky in the Suns case just because I remember last year Chris Paul was playing so well in the playoffs and it was almost like uh, the people who vote on the award were just trying to find a reason for him to be finals MVP if the Suns won. Yeah. Um, So I think that might be a little bit murky, but like a team like the Nets, like you'd have to think it's Durant would be the reason they won the finals and he's nine to one to win finals MVP. They're seven to one to win the title. 
a team like the Celtics. You're probably going to make money anyway. You may bet both of them. Yeah, uh, but like a team like the Celtics, Tatum at 12 to 1, like it'd have to be him. He'd have to go absolutely crazy if they are to reach that ceiling. Uh, same thing mm-hmm. with the 76ers. Like, I guess it could be Harden, but uh, I don't know. I, I would be, you know, Joel MB makes a lot more sense to me if yeah. that happens. But it's a lot of ifs. Uh, Steph Curry's 14 to 1, and the Warriors are 10 to 1 to win the title. So it's kind of like the Super Bowl where sometimes just betting the quarterback is better. You get a little bit of a, a price discount or a, a better number, uh, knowing that if that team did win at all, it would probably have to be because that player reached the yeah, you're not and lifted the team. Yeah, you're not winning the NBA Finals without your best player going off. And the fact that it's multiple games, too, in a series makes it less likely like a fluke. Like in the Super Bowl, Cooper Cup, right? Like he could go yeah. off for multiple sure touchdowns and he's going to be named MVP but in a series the winner of the MVP is going to be your best player it's as simple as that and and with the Suns it's tough but I mean you put some money on Booker you put some money on Chris Paul he could probably recoup the losses on you know Booker if Chris Paul wins so I I do kind of like that strategy if you're feeling really confident about a team winning it all you go that way Uh, let's end this podcast with the NFL draft Nate because it's going to be in Las Vegas beautiful Sin City they we're going to do it and then COVID hit, so this is their second opportunity to do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I wish they were doing that thing where they push them out on the like the gondolas at the uh, in front of the Bellagio and in yeah. the in the water. But I don't think they're going to be doing that. Missed opportunity in my opinion. But there's still going to be a draft in Vegas, and it's not the sexiest draft. There's not any like big names. The quarterback class is a little meh, but you still bet on it, and you've got yeah. some people it seems like you like. Yeah, so first off, I want to say when it comes to betting the draft, it's kind of a unique betting exercise or event where you're basically basing all your bets off information, information that you get from mock drafts that you trust, uh, information from workouts and pro days, and also reporters who you trust who have a good uh, pulse on a certain team that they cover and are well-connected in the front office and know which position and hopefully which t- a player, a GM or players in the front office or people in the front office like. So you have to follow that information really closely. And when you get information like that, you probably want to bet it right away because once it gets leaked out, uh, it's going to be well known and people are going to bet on it and bookmakers are going to adjust the odds because the NFL draft really is an opportunity where you can really get information ahead of the the player, people who make the numbers and have a lot of success. And by the time you hit draft day, you can have a bet that's so good that's probably going to be like 99% chance to win at times if you get on that information early. So uh, I think that's one thing to look at where it's just following information very closely. And I think the most important thing is not to have any biases about a certain player. If you like a player because he went to your favorite college or you liked him in the college, or he played really well in a primetime game you watched, none of that really matters. You can't have any biases. You want to just follow the information, and it's not a, a draft of what you would do. It's just trying to figure out what teams are going to do. And I think if you once you figure that out and you remove any biases, then you could have a lot of success betting the draft. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, and we talked about it. There's, there's just not a great – QB class. Yeah. Kenny Pickett is is probably going to be 
the first QB uh, off the board? I don't know. Malik Willis is the favorite. Yeah. Uh, the quarterback from Liberty. Kenny Pickett does look like he could go in the first round. Uh, but it does look like where the you can bet the over under. Yeah, you can bet the over under on how many quarterbacks are drafted in the first round, and the number set at three and a half, but it's heavily juiced under. So I'd be yeah. surprised if it's four or more. Um, and one thing I looked at, and I'll figure out a way to send this out to people, but uh, I looked at the major sports books and and the. Uh, the player positions that they have, so the overs and the unders. And in this case, like Aiden Hutchinson is the favorite to go number one. So his over is one and a, or over under is one and a half. The under is minus two fifty. The over is plus one seventy five. So if you think he's going number one, you have to lay two fifty to win a hundred or whatever your bet sizing is. If you don't think he's going to go number one, you can bet on that over one and a half. Uh, plus 185 so it's i know a lot of people might get confused where like when you think of an over for a player you think it's them doing well but it's the opposite when it comes to the draft where the under means that they're going to be picked higher than their um, posted draft position and uh, hutchinson is getting a lot of buzz as the number one pick trayvon walker a pass rusher from georgia is another guy who's gone up draft boards where his draft position prop at some places three and a half heavily juiced on the under. So he's a favorite to go in the top three. And then there's some good offensive linemen, Aguanu from North Carolina state, Evan Neal from Alabama, Charles cross from Mississippi state. They're all priced three and a half. Uh, the first two guys I mentioned, and then cross seven and a half, a uh, cave Thibodeau, who was actually the favorite for most of the college season to go number one overall, the pass rusher from Oregon He's fallen. He had a really poor combine showing or some weird things happened where he just like left the combine early. And now mm-hmm. some teams are worried about maybe some character issues there. Uh, his draft props are five and a half. So I'll be interested to see where the next move is on that. I would probably look to go over on Thibodeau and then a couple players. And, and the way the NFL is trending these days, it's about, you know, it's a passing league. You really want uh, players at premium positions uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, that's pass rusher. And there's a reason why there's a couple of pass rushers projected to be picked highly. But then there's also cornerbacks. And there's a couple of cover cornerbacks who are listed in the uh, draft position across the board. One is Ahmad Gardner. Nickname is Sauce Gardner uh, or Sauce. So you might be referred to as Sauce Gardner on, on draft you know, articles or profiles or whatever. But his over-under has de- definitely, or his under has gotten hit pretty hard, where it was eight and a half, and now it's eight and a half heavily juicy under, or seven and a half. A cornerback from Cincinnati, really strong cover cornerback. Uh, think that teams are really desperate for a player like that, and you can get a guy who can cover number one receivers eventually in the NFL on a rookie deal for a few years. That's very valuable. And then Derek Stingley Jr., LSU cornerback, Tested well at his pro day last week. Uh, that his draft position was 12 and a half, and now across the board it's 10 and a half because he did test well, especially his 40 time was under 4-4. So you see those guys at premium positions that uh, teams want, and and when it comes to, like wide receivers, teams now value speed more than like a possession receiver. That's why we saw uh, Jalen Waddle go so high last year at six overall to the Dolphins instead of his like college teammate Devontae Smith because it's all about speed in the NFL 
And then on the defensive side of the ball, you need a guy who can rush the passer and you need a guy who can stop the pass as a cornerback. And that's why linebackers and safeties have been devalued. So that's another thing to kind of consider when doing draft handicapping, looking for needs. Um, if a team has a need at a premium position like cornerback, pass rush, uh, offensive line, especially left tackle, if you have a right-handed quarterback, which most teams do. And then, of course, receivers, uh, especially the fast receivers and the top ones in this draft. And there's a bunch of them, but the ones with draft positions posted, Garrett Wilson of Ohio State and Drake London of USC, both at 10.5. So kind of be curious to see where those numbers go. It was the draft curves, I think, what, is it eighth? 16 days from tonight, so yeah, uh, it's, it's coming up, and we'll probably see a lot of movement in these numbers, but start your research now so you kind of know what to expect yep. when some of these this news comes out in terms of workouts and maybe measurables. Um, all that stuff should factor into any kind of bet you make when it comes to the draft. Yeah, and then we're obviously these numbers are going to be moving throughout the, the next 16 days, so keep, keep an eye on that. And you, you, you put out a spreadsheet so that is always extremely helpful for things like this because then you can kind of track you can shop around well, for different lines different sports books everything like that so i haven't actually put out the spreadsheet yet um to the it's public but I'll, I'll do something how about this you follow me on twitter there and or tick or tiktok i'll post it on my tiktok <laughs> Nate's you'll do a little page. dance I will not do any dances. I'll just uh, show the show the uh, or if you're listening to this podcast, if you've listened this long, just DM me and I'll send you what I have um, as a good guy to follow the draft position props. Uh, it's nothing really crazy, but just a good starting point if you uh, want to bet the NFL draft. And honestly, I, I highly recommend betting this because if you do it right, it can be a really fun uh, or good way to make money. And honestly, just like the rush of like be have following Twitter and seeing like who the pick is and knowing that you're right or wrong is like, honestly, one of the most gratifying feelings in sports betting. And I, I don't say that lightly because I, I like watching games and knowing if I right or wrong, but for some reason, the draft is just like a, a different unique feeling uh, when getting your bets graded. Get that rush. You love to see it. And we'll, we'll have more on the draft too. And again, follow Nate. I'll have more NBA picks. I'm going to write my article. Uh, it's out actually out today as of this listening oh, for people. Perfect. So you uh, you can read all about my NBA picks for the playoffs, season series, uh, everything like that. So it's going to be all on WatchStadium.com, wherever you get your podcasts for Sharp Lessons. We appreciate everyone listening. We'll be uh, we'll be doing an episode next week. So it's, it's been a weekly thing. So we've yeah. been consistent since we come back. Sharp Lessons here. So, uh, yeah, that's all we have, yeah. Nate. And I'll, I'll have my article by the if time you listen to this. Uh, there'll probably be an article out uh, if you lost on the Masters like I did and want to recoup <laughs> yeah. some money on golf, the RBC Heritage, which was a, a fun go. article to write because there's a lot of players that I could make a case for, um, almost like the Masters where you're just trying to parse out who not to bet on and try to talk yourself out of players. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's there for this week uh, for a tournament that starts on Thursday. So make sure to check that out. There we go. We'll talk to you all next week. Good luck uh, and have fun watching some NBA postseason basketball.